Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Well, again, good morning, everyone. My name is Michael, one of the pastors here, and I just want to say how just grateful we are that you're just taking the time to join us, whether you're joining us live on YouTube or later on the week or uh, on a podcast, listening later on. And, um, you know, today we're just continuing our series that we've been going through in our week four of our series called uh, Jesus Rediscovered, where we've been learning what it means to discover or to rediscover who Jesus is and what he's all about. And uh, maybe one of the things you've felt so far in this series as we've been working through it and as we've been exploring the Bible together is that learning about Jesus and rediscovering who he is doesn't happen to us by accident. That instead it takes this certain kind of commitment and requires focus and discipline in order for us to pay attention to some of our own misconceptions we have about him and to look at him and to learn about him with fresh eyes. And you know, as Pastor Dom uh, talked about in previous weeks, in some ways this can actually even be more challenging maybe for those of us who are prone to thinking that we already have him all figured out or that we already know everything about him and understand all of his teachings. And one area I want to talk about today that this is important for us to, to consider as we rediscover and recommit Uh, to, to Jesus is to rethink this call to help others discover who Jesus is. That this year it will be so important for us to take seriously that this, this idea that there's something about discovering or rediscovering who Jesus is that should naturally move us to want to help others to discover who he is as well. Because those who discover Jesus and the good news that he brings share him with others and help them to learn what it means to say yes to him. Now, as we consider this idea of sharing our faith with others, I think for many of us, we feel this disconnect. We feel a disconnect between learning about Jesus ourselves and what it looks like to, to grow and to uh, share his te learn about his teachings, and then we feel a, a disconnect from that to then what it looks like to share our faith with others and help others discover what he's like. For many of us, it can even feel unnatural or inauthentic, to share with others, or we quickly, maybe we feel lost or, or overwhelmed when we think of our, even our own experiences, or maybe times when we've met, witnessed uh, how people have shared faith in a way that has been unhealthy or has pushed others away and pushed others further away from Jesus instead of closer to him. I know for myself, for many years, I really struggled with this idea of sharing my faith with others. I really shared, to, to, struggled with just this idea of helping others discover who he was and just being open about that. I, as I was trying to make sense of my own faith, you know, I, I, it was a season in my life where I didn't let even certain friends know that I was a Christian, that I was trying to follow Jesus. I was too embarrassed. 
or, you know, I felt like I couldn't share my faith because I didn't have all the answers or because I had my own doubts, or I felt like I could only share my faith if I really had it all together and I had to project this certain image to other people. But, you know, but as we consider maybe for, for each of us this disconnect that we can all feel, at the same time, we're confronted with this idea that our own discovery and sort of rediscovery of who Jesus is should always be connected to helping others discover who he is. And as we explore this idea in the Bible, uh, one of the things we're going to look at, we're going to continue this week in Matthew's Gospel that we looked at last week, but this week we're going to look at how Jesus' earliest disciples are beginning to discover and to make sense of who he is. And as they're doing this, Jesus asked them two very important questions that really connect their own discovery with the discovery of others. Here's what it says. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This question that Jesus asked, who do you say I am, is such an important question that he asked them. And it's such a profound moment that we see here when Simon Peter answers Jesus in a way that indicates that he's really growing in understanding who Jesus is as he rediscovers him. That Jesus is not just a good teacher or that he doesn't just fit our initial assumptions about him, but that he's actually so much more than that. And for each of us, as we've been going through this series on rediscovering Jesus and learning to take that seriously and commit that in in new ways, this is a question that we're really called to think about and to consider and to even revisit as we learn about him and commit to take him seriously. But there's another question here from that passage that in this conversation with the disciples, we can't miss, which is the first question that Jesus asked them when he says, who do others say that I am? Because by asking this question, Jesus assumes that as his disciples are rediscovering who he is, they're also paying attention to who others are saying he is. He connects their own discipleship, their own learning about saying yes to him and what he's all about and their discovery with what it means to then pay attention to others and where other people are at and their own struggles to make sense of Jesus. This question as well is so important for each of us. Because as we commit to rediscovering Jesus, it should move us to pay attention to others. Too often, you know, people can make mistake, mistakes saying yes to Jesus and rediscovering him with being disconnected or distancing ourselves from others instead of how it should move us closer to them in a way that we're on the ground with them, that we're kind of out in the streets or with our neighbors and asking questions, listening to their ideas or maybe even their struggles to make sense of spirituality and questions of God and and some of life's biggest questions. As you maybe think of the people in your own life, do you know the kinds of questions maybe they would ask about life's big questions or maybe the ideas that they have? Have you maybe had the time or taken the time to pay attention to some of their own unique struggles or even misconceptions that make it hard for them to say yes to Jesus? What would it look like maybe for all of us to be present in a way that we're creating space 
with our coworkers or, or with our neighbors or our own children, to feel safe to share maybe where they're coming from, to start with a posture of just learning to listen and to ask questions and to pay attention to some of the other people's own, own questions and struggles and idea about spirituality and faith and who God is. And one of the ways as uh, we as a church try to just give space and to really listen and to be on the ground and pay attention uh, and make room for others and their doubts about Jesus is by partnering uh, with an organization called Alpha. And if you've never heard of Alpha, uh, it's this global organization that partners with uh, different churches around the world to run a course that helps people explore questions of faith and Christianity in a safe environment. And recently, as part of their learning, uh, just to pay attention, and part of their kind of attempts to stay on the ground and really to pay attention to the things that people are struggling with and wrestling with, with Life Speaks Questions, they did this nationwide survey where they surveyed thousands of churches and church leaders across Canada. And uh, you can go to, you know, if in your own time even, you can go and Google this survey. They have it up on their website and read more of it yourself. But uh, I just want to share a couple of their findings of some of what they discovered. You'll see it up on the screen here. It says 65, one of the things they found was that 65% of church leaders say their church has not prioritized sharing faith with others. Uh, And another stat they have here is 46 to 48% of church leaders who work with children and youth say that it is wrong to share one's faith with someone in the hopes that they will one day identify as Christian. Now, as we look at these stats, I think maybe many of us feel immediately this challenge of knowing what to do with them. Kind of how should we feel about this or what do we do with that or do next? And, you know, as we wrestle with these stats, for us as a church at the 180, we know one of the things that we're committed to as we take seriously what it means to help others to discover who Jesus is, is to start by learning to pay attention to where people are at, to the struggles and to the questions and the doubts of other people and and of the next generation. We're also committed to exploring new ways to helping others discover who Jesus is. This is partly why we offer courses like Alpha, or our upcoming parent class, or why we prioritize, as you saw in the video earlier, uh, just ministry to our, our kids and partnering with parents and with youth, to learn and to practice together what it means to be present with people and to make room for their questions, to equip and to encourage another, to consider healthy ways even of passing on the faith to our children and to people in our lives. As a church, we need to continue to pay attention to the unique struggles and questions of the next generation, to be present in their lives in a way that we're not pushing them away, but we're creating space to have real conversations and to learn from them. As we explore uh, this, call, this, this call to take sharing our faith seriously, not only do we need to learn to pay attention and to be present with people in new ways, but we also need to commit to rediscovering and rethinking this command that Jesus gives us to make disciples. At the very end of Matthew's gospel, after Jesus' resurrection, he tells his disciples to go and meet with him up on a mountain. And as they gather there, he shares with them what is known as the Great Commission. Now, maybe you're learning today in these words uh, that he says are gonna, you're going to be hearing them for the first time. Or maybe you've heard this, these words from Jesus so many times that you can't imagine kind of learning anything new from them. 
But as we discovered, rediscovered Jesus, and as we consider uh, how this rediscovering should move us to help others discover who he is, it means rediscovering this call and this command of Jesus in a fresh way and looking at it kind of with new eyes. Here's what he says. It's from Matthew 28, the end of Matthew's gospel. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So right after Jesus' resurrection in Matthew's Gospel, as these disciples are still struggling to make sense of their own faith and what it means now to worship him as the one who was dead but now is alive, Jesus then tells them to go and make disciples. Now, can you imagine just how the disciples would feel in that moment? That as they're still kind of making sense of all these things, they're now confronted with this command from Jesus to make disciples. That part of taking their own discipleship seriously, of saying yes to Jesus and following him, will now mean that they will also need to learn at the same time to make disciples of other people. And as we consider this command maybe for our own lives, and as we take this call of Jesus seriously to help others discover who he is. One of the things we need to do is to rethink our understanding even, just to start with, of the word disciple and how it's meant to shape how we then disciple others. Because how we share our faith or how we share, how we make disciples will always be shared by our own understanding of discipleship. And while we don't have time this morning to dive into every aspect of what this means, one of the things we need to rediscover is that at the root of the word disciple, as it's used in the Bible, is that it means to be a certain kind of learner. And this is really hard for us to understand in our world and in our culture today because when we think of what it means to learn or to be a learner, we often think of taking a class in something maybe that interests us or picking and choosing things in our, in our world that we want to learn about. But to be a disciple of Jesus requires a certain kind of learning. It's not just a learning a new set of ideas to be able to pass a test or to hit a certain level of understanding, but it's the kind of learning that actually takes real discipline. It's the kind of learning that we need to be committed to every single day to allow Jesus to transform different areas of our lives and to follow him in ways that aren't always even inconvenient, aren't always convenient for us. And you know, this is so important about what it means to be the kind of disciple who disciples others and who thinks about helping others discover who Jesus is because helping others discover who Jesus is requires that we take our own discipleship seriously, that we take seriously what it means in our own lives to say yes to Jesus. Let me say that again, that sharing our faith with others and helping them discover who Jesus is will always be shaped by whether or not we're taking discipleship seriously in our own lives first, in a way that models who Jesus is and what he's like to other people. Uh, My wife, uh, Jasmine, is on Instagram a lot, uh, on social media, much more than I am. And so if you want to find out anything about my life, just go to her account. Um, But one of the things she's really into is she likes to follow different bloggers. She's into, you know, home renovation and decor and gardening and plants and all this whatever stuff. And uh, there's this certain blogger that she follows called Chris Loves Julia, okay? And she always talks about it in a way like they're, it's basically Chris Loves Julia is this couple, but she talks about them like they're one person and like they're her best friend. 
So she'll tell me about them, like, oh, Chris Joseph Julia painted their kitchen this color, we should do the same thing. Or Chris loves Julia, you know, you did this, give these tips for how to make a turkey, so I'm going to do this at Thanksgiving. And so every time she's on her phone now, or I know she's on Instagram, I'll just, I'll make fun of her, I'll kind of, I'll tease her, and say, like, oh, how's your best friend, Chris loves Julia, because I know that's who she's looking at. And the funny thing is she'll talk about them, like, or this, this person, like it's their best friend, but, and like they have a special relationship together, but she only really cares or follows when it's something that she can want or use, when it's they're doing something that, that she wants to do in our kitchen, or where they're making a turkey that she wants to make. Um, you know, she acts like this is, this is a special relationship when she doesn't actually know them at all, and she picks and chooses the moments to really follow them. And, you know, as I was thinking about discipleship, I realized that for so many of us, we treat discipleship with Jesus in the same way that we think about following others on social media or in different aspects of our lives. That it's easy to follow somebody when it's just convenient or useful for us, but when it's for something that we, or when it's for something that we want, but otherwise we'll just ignore them or we'll pick and choose what works for us. But discipleship to Jesus goes much deeper than that. It means learning to follow him even when it's inconvenient or difficult. It means learning to follow him and to surrender to his ways even when it's painful or even when it goes against the things we would naturally want to do. But when we don't commit to growing in our own discipleship, we're only modeling a kind of discipleship for others, a kind of saying yes to Jesus that looks like everything else in the world. When we pick and choose areas to follow him, we model for others a kind of faith that only seems worth taking seriously when it works for us or when it's easy for us. And when that's the kind of faith that we model for others, it just becomes one other option in a sea of others. When we don't take discipleship seriously in our own lives, we fail to model for others a kind of faith that's built on real change and growth and transformation. We fail to model a kind of faith that's changing how we live and interact with others. But when we choose to surrender those different areas of our lives that feel difficult and inconvenient, when we choose to follow Jesus kind of daily and develop that discipline, we begin to experience Jesus transforming those other areas in a way that we're then naturally drawn to want to share that with others and to help others experience the same change that we're experiencing in our own lives. The word the Bible that uses to speak of how this kind of saying yes to Jesus, this kind of discipleship, and how it shapes our faith we model for others, is the word witness. This is such an important word as we think about what it means to share with others. And witnessing to Jesus and modeling faith to others is not about being perfect or looking good or pretending to be someone that we're not, but it is about taking discipleship seriously in our lives in a way that other people really begin to see real change in us to see a kind of change and transformation that goes beyond just what's inconvenient or easy, or that we choose to only embrace when we feel like it. But it takes real discipline and sacrifice and surrender to choose Jesus and his ways. As you think about that, as you consider that, what is an area maybe in your own life where you've stopped taking discipleship to Jesus seriously? Is there an area maybe for you where you've stopped being a witness to others and sharing with others and helping them discover their faith because you've stopped letting Jesus transform you. You know, as I think about my own life so often, I think of just times that I, I really fail to model this for my own kids, my own children. I think about times where I fail to model 
forgiveness or what it means to show grace when they make mistakes or, or patience. And, and I stopped doing, I realize I, I, this happens when I stop taking seriously what it means to say yes to Jesus and to surrender things in my own life. Maybe this year Jesus is inviting each of us to rediscover him in a way that we begin to take discipleship seriously in new ways and in new areas of our lives. As he prepares us to witness to his goodness and his freedom and his transforming power to others in our lives, to our children, to our friends, and to our coworkers. Maybe for you this year, rediscovering what it looks like to say to Jesus will mean considering what it means to grow in generosity or learning to live at peace with those around you or modeling forgiveness or patience or kindness just for those even in your own home. Jesus' call to make disciples begins with us taking discipleship seriously in our own lives, even when it doesn't feel inconvenient or easy for us. Now, as we continue to to kind of live in these Jesus' words in the Great Commission, and as we continue to look at these, before he tells the disciples to go and to make other disciples, he says something really profound that really lays the foundation for all of what discipleship is rooted in. So before he tells them to go, here's what he says. You may have caught it earlier. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. He says, Jesus commissions his disciples to go out into the world and to make disciples. He first reminds them that their discipleship will be shaped by this huge claim that he makes, that because of what he's done, because of his death and his resurrection, that he now has authority all over all of heaven and earth. And then now rediscovering who he is and what it means to follow him and to help others discover him means learning to trust him in new ways and to surrender different parts of our lives to him. But, you know, as we think about what it means to pass on the faith to others, one of the things or one of the ways maybe that these words of Jesus often get confused or or used in the wrong way with people is when they abuse this kind of idea that this kind of authority or truth uh, belongs to Jesus is something that they can hold. The thing that easily gets twisted by people uh, when they've looked at this verse is they can confuse the truth and authority of Jesus as something that we hold on to instead of something we point others to. Maybe you caught in our welcome this morning that Jesus reminded us that the truth is a person, that Jesus is the truth. And that means that it's not something that we can grasp or coerce or kind of use for our own benefit or abuse. When people confuse the kind of authority Jesus has with something that they can hold or take for themselves, what happens is their witness, the way that they share faith, gets, it becomes, it takes on a certain kind of arrogance. When this happens, instead of witnessing to Jesus in a way that points to him as the truth, a kind of arrogance emerges when people begin to see truth as something that they hold over others or that makes them pushy or forceful or even confrontational with anyone who doesn't, disagree, doesn't agree with them. You know, at our home, uh, we have backyard neighbors that we've been getting to know who recently gave us uh, a fire pit that we could use outside. And so it's been really, really cold uh, in Montreal, as you, for those who are here, as you know, over the past couple of weeks, like minus 20 or below. And so we tried to take this out a couple times and use it, but we never lasted long in front of the, the fire. Um, But as I was sitting in front of it, I was reminded of sort of this game that I was taught a few years ago that I definitely don't recommend that you try. But maybe you've heard of it before. But what it is is you you, um, take out an ember 
from the fireplace and you start tossing it around in your hands. And the idea is that you move it in just a way that you try not to get burned before you then pass it to somebody else and they have to do the same thing. And if you've ever played this game, inevitably what always happens is that somebody always gets burned. And when I think of what it means, you know, as I think of this idea and I think of then what it means to share faith with others, I think so many of us can relate to this image. That for many of us, it feels when we're trying to share our faith that it feels like maybe juggling or playing with fire. Because when we think of the, the truth and authority of Jesus as uh, seen as something that we can hold on to in a way that it forces it on others, somebody inevitably always gets burned. They always get hurt. And for many of us who then have had a bad experience or we think of the damage maybe that's been caused by this approach of somebody trying to force the truth on us or somebody else, now for us when we think about sharing our faith with others, we'd rather not even bother to avoid the damage so that nobody gets hurt. But the kind of truth and authority Jesus has is not something we're meant to hold for ourselves in a way that it, it's pushy or that it forces it on others, but instead it's the kind of truth and authority we're called to point people to. It's the kind of authority that compels us to share in a way that's inviting, that holds Jesus at the center and kind of holds the, the love that he has for people. Maybe a helpful image for you is, is, is as you think about sharing your faith, instead of sort of tossing around this amber or this, this coal, is to think instead of inviting somebody to come sit with you by the fire, with Jesus at the center. This, this kind of image of inviting others to come and see, to allow Jesus to be at the center and to share with others how Jesus maybe is bringing light to areas of your life that you thought would always be in darkness or to come and sit with you and to experience how you're experiencing how Jesus is warming places inside of you that you never know that he could or as he draws you closer to him. What would it look like for you to help, discover, help others discover Jesus in this way? To point to Jesus in a way that isn't pushy or arrogant or combative, but instead that invites others to come and see, to sit with you and to learn how Jesus is becoming the center of your life and the things that he's doing in you. Now, as we continue uh, just to look at this last part of the Great Commission Jesus gives, this next part of what he says is maybe the most difficult for us to sort of get our heads around. This is what he says next. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So now, as not only are, are these disciples still trying to process what it means that Jesus is dead and now alive, not only are they kind of learning to rediscover him in a way that, that points people to others as they take their own discipleship seriously, now they're also supposed to make sense of what it means to baptize others in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, of this, to make sense of this mystery that they don't even really understand themselves, of the Trinity of God. And on top of that, they're also supposed to be teaching others in a way that leads not to just more knowledge, but it leads to actual obedience in their lives. I mean, talk about a command that just sounds way too complicated and way too big for us to get our heads around. And I think so often for us, when we think about this part of Jesus' words, as we think about what it means then to share our faith and to pass on the faith to others, 
and we consider the mysteries of the faith, this idea of the Trinity, that God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and as we think of maybe other mysteries of the faith, we can, easily, we can be easily tempted to avoid these kinds of mysteries altogether in how we pass on the faith to others. So often instead, we're tempted to replace this with an overly simplistic view of Christianity that looks cleaner or makes it look like we have all the answers or that everything's certain or that reduces saying yes to Jesus even to a simple formula. Or we reduce sharing our faith to only one aspect of what it means to share with others. We get into these useless debates or arguments over using words over actions or using actions instead of words. But when we avoid any mystery by reducing sharing our faith to a clean and simple message or formula, we also reduce what it means to be a disciple. It means that instead of passing on the beautiful sort of complexities and fullness of the mystery of what it means to follow Jesus and who God is and to worship him in a way that's bigger than we could comprehend, instead we pass on a faith that's feeble or that's empty. And not only that, but when we're tempted or pressured to share faith in a way that reduces it to a simple formula, we also miss the complexity of other people and of the things that they experience in their lives. We can begin to treat others like a project or to reduce the complexity of their own journey and their own struggles to this clean and simple straight line. And then we wonder why so many people struggle to reconcile the faith that they've been taught or that's been passed to them with the realities and the complexities of their lives. And as a result, they just walk away from the faith altogether. You know, part of my role here at the 180 is to work alongside our youth leaders and, to, and, and alongside parents and our church families uh, as we consider what it means to pass on faith to the next generation. And we feel really the messiness of this every week, of Jesus' call to share the mysteries of the faith to a generation who has their own unique struggles and temptations and competing values and complex stories and journeys. And one of the ways that we're, we're trying to do this, you know, we, we don't always get it right, but one of the ways that we're kind of thinking about this or trying to do this is by looking for different opportunities in the year ahead for them to not just hear about the faith, but to also taste and see. It means looking for opportunities, creative opportunities for them to, to, to serve others or to try to just introduce prayer and some of the practices of the faith in a way that shapes and forms their habits in new ways. Sharing our faith proper, properly for the next generation will require that we avoid the temptation to just make things overly simple, but instead to make room for complexity for the complexity of people's journeys, as well as for the mysteries of God that are too big for us to fully comprehend. And in that space, to then allow him to meet with people in only ways that he can, to draw them to his love that meets them in the midst of all this messiness. Maybe for you, what would it look like as you consider this? And as you think of your own kids or your friends or your coworkers, to point to a God that is so worthy that he's beyond, and he's so holy that he's beyond anything that we can comprehend. To avoid maybe sharing by just using simple formulas or reducing faith to something that's too simple uh, and that instead help others experience God in a way that moves them to, a new rea to experience the new reality that God has for them. To experience it how God is, is inviting them to this whole new community and way of seeing the world.
as we uh, just wrap up this morning, I want to just quickly look at how Jesus ends this great commission with this very last verse that's the last verse in all of Matthew's gospel. And here's what he says. It says, And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus ends this call by reminding the disciples that he will be with them as they go. And I'm sure that just like us, those first disciples wished Jesus would say more than just that, that he would end with more than just that. That as they looked ahead, maybe with the uncertainty of all the challenges and the changes that were before him, them and all the uncertainty, that they wished that he would just give them all the answers of what it looks like to share faith with the next generation and with the people in their world. You know, maybe he hoped that they would explain to them how big the world was about to get or tell them about World War II or that there would be robots or, or the internet or whatever it is. But instead, he just ends with this simple promise. And we know that after Jesus shares this command, the disciples will be tempted to stay where they are at in Jerusalem out of fear of where Jesus might be leading them. But it was really only as they committed to go out into the world to help others discover who, who he is that they experienced his presence with them in new ways. It was only as they committed to going that they experienced his power and his presence in ways that they could never expect. For us, as we wrap up this morning, as we consider the challenges of our time when we think about sharing faith, when we consider the complexities around what it means to share faith in a new world, in a world where the next generation will struggle and experience things that none of us even imagined possible, Jesus also promises to be with us. Jesus promises that as we commit to take seriously this call to help others discover him, we will also rediscover his presence and power in ways that deepen our own faith. And he promises that as we go, we will be filled again with his peace and his joy and a deep sense of purpose and hope for his church and for the next generation. Just as we wrap up this morning, I'm going to invite uh, the worship team to come back up, and they're going to lead us live in this last song. And again, we're just so thankful to be able to join with you and to have this opportunity to do something that we haven't done in a while, which is one to have some live worship, but also to close just by letting them lead us in this song. And just as they lead us, um, and as you just consider the words and sing and let them shape your heart maybe just to listen or to go in a quiet place in your house or to sing maybe even quietly, would you just invite Jesus to help you reconsider what it means to share your faith? Invite Jesus to even restore maybe in you the peace and the hope and the joy that he wants to give you as you commit to go. Even as you think of all the uncertainties or even as you think of maybe the struggles that your own kids are experiencing, would you just now as you sing, Invite him to speak and to lead you into the places that he wants to take you. Let's sing now. And then after we sing, I'm going to come back and close us in prayer. Worthy 
breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only
pray together. Jesus, again, we thank you for the reminder that you are our foundation. And as we just consider what it means to share you with others, to help others discover the good news of who you are and how you change us. God, and maybe just for so many of us, we're overwhelmed about what, how, what, how, what that looks like. God, would you help us to just build our lives on you in a way that that then flows into how we live with others, into how we share you and, and your love and your good news with you at the center. God, would you, as we go from here, help us to experience the, the hope for the next generation, for your joy that comes as we share your good news and as we commit to taking following you seriously in our own lives. Would that move us to learn to pay attention to those around us, to, to enter the complexities of people's lives in a way that you, are, you draw near to them, that we give room for you to do the things that only you can do in the lives of others. God, we, we pray for our children and for our neighbors and our coworkers, that they would know your love. And God, if just for those who may be listening uh, to this for the first time, who are really still just exploring what faith in you means, and maybe some of this sounds, sounds weird to them, God, I pray that they would know you and, and learn about you in a way with you, that, that has you, Jesus, at the center. With you at the center in a way that they just can't help but sharing you with those around them. And so as we go from here, thank you that you go before us by your spirit into all the uncertainty and all the questions and all the things that we're not sure about, that you go before us and that you lead us in ways that we experience your peace and your goodness in ways we never thought possible. And so be with us as we go. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, again, thank you everyone so much for joining with us, for taking the time to just sing and worship and learn from us. Uh, so good to be with you. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week or uh, just if you're in some of our, our midweek things, see you then as well. Have a great week. Bye for now.